Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey Bright Church, it's Ali here from Open Doors Australia. It excites me to be, be with you again celebrating this Open Doors Sunday as you dedicate this time to focusing on the global persecuted church. I am so thankful for your heart for your brothers and sisters around the world. Although I can't be with you all in person today, I'm still so honoured to be back sharing with you a message that I pray will encourage your heart at this time. And on behalf of Open Doors, we also want to say a happy birthday to Pastor Ben. We're so thankful for your heart for the global church. Today, I will be sharing a few stories from the persecuted church. Lessons from their pursuit of Jesus in the darkest places on earth that I know will inspire you, challenge you, fill you with hope and courage and strengthen you for the trials that you may be currently in and the ones to come. But before I begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you. We glorify you and we thank you for the honour and privilege that it is to be your children in Australia at this time. God, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would encourage us in ways that we can more boldly follow your spirit in Australia. Lord, we just praise you that you would speak clearly, that you would tug our hearts, and that we would have our eyes fixed on things ahead and not just things at this time. We bless you, Lord, and we praise you in your precious name. Amen. For those who don't know me, I'm Ali Lloyd, and I'm a Relationship Manager for Open Doors Australia. If you're unfamiliar with our ministry, we've been working for over 65 years in more than 70 of the most dangerous places around the world to follow Jesus Christ. We come alongside the persecuted church seeking to encourage and support them as they follow Jesus. As a ministry, we don't exist to end persecution or even try to stop it from happening. Instead, we seek to strengthen and encourage the church in the face of it. I think for a lot of us at this time, we've been thinking more about our brothers and sisters around the world than ever before. With things happening like Afghanistan and even circumstances in our own nation, we can feel at times the discouragement come knocking at our door. However, I believe the message of the persecuted church is one of the most powerful, hopeful and important messages for the Australian church at this time. The persecuted church are the ones who have thrived in the, the most difficult of circumstances in their faith and they are the voices I desire to turn to. One of the greatest lessons I have personally learned from the persecuted church, which I want to focus on today, is the hope of living with an eternal perspective. I'm going to share some stories today of believers who have lived with this eternal hope in the midst of trials and situations and have not perceived this life as one just for this time, but one as preparation for eternity to come. In Hebrews 12, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Such a powerful and beautiful scripture that in the midst of opposition, they did not grow weary. I love this passage, the pushing on and running for the prize. It's such a powerful message and one that can truly only be grasped 
if our view is on things to come in eternity and not just in this life. This perspective reminds me a lot of two remarkable women named Miriam and Marzia. Only in their mid-twenties at the time, they found themselves asking a question that strikes fear into the heart of most Christians. And that question is deny Jesus and live or choose not to and die. For these two incredible girls from Iran, this was their reality. Miriam and Marzia were placed into a situation where denying Jesus would literally save their lives. They'd been sentenced to death by hanging, having been caught after distributing more than 20,000 Bibles in Tehran. For the majority of times, they would fill a backpack with Bibles, pray, and ask God where they should distribute them. And then, under the cover of darkness, they would simply place these Bibles into letterboxes. When they were caught, they were placed into Ivan prison, one of the most notorious prisons on the planet. And they shared stories of friends who were regularly beaten, tortured, abused, or even killed because of their, because of their faith in Jesus. And as their case reached its end, they were dragged frequently before a judge who would simply ask them to write one sentence saying that they would convert from Christianity to Islam and he'd let them go. Each time, the girls would refuse and the judge grew more and more frustrated, saying to them, don't you know that if you don't write this, you will die here? And they replied, no, you don't understand. We've been threatened with death before. We're not afraid of death. What we're afraid of is a life without Jesus Christ. The lawyer would tell them that if they convert to Islam, they could exploit a loophole called a lie, just telling a lie of convenience. And the girls would reply, we will never convert to Islam, not even for the sake of momentary convenience. You see, it's stories like Miriam and Marziah that stand in the face of culture in some of the most confrontational places on the planet. And these stories encourage us and challenge us, but do they change us? Because Jesus isn't a mix between Superman and Santa Claus. And by following him, we don't get promised a life of safety. We get a great commission that promises us suffering and an assurance of eternity. In Acts 6 and 7, we encounter another man a man called Stephen, who in the early days of the church was working as a servant and minister to the church, but also walking in great boldness and faith. This disciple of Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin because they were opposed to his faith. And in front of this intimidating audience, Stephen began to share boldly, and their response was madness and fear. In the face of persecution that I'm sure Stephen saw oncoming after he shared, he did not look in the eyes of his persecuted, but he looked to heaven, to eternity, and saw Jesus standing there watching on. I love this because we know that in the scripture, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. But in this picture, we see Jesus standing in eager anticipation ready to not just be on the edge of his seat, but he's standing ready to receive his son Stephen into eternity. You see, in suffering, when we fix our eyes on heaven and on eternity, all of the pain of this world melts away in the light of his glorious goodness. Because we look at life beyond, life with Jesus, more than what we're experiencing. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since this world is temporary, but that one is eternal. That verse is so much easier read than lived. I can find myself every day getting caught up in the things that are in front of me and before me rather than meditating on the unseen, which is eternal, that being Christ and his kingdom. On the days where life just gets to me, I can easily find myself getting frustrated and looking down at the things of the world rather than looking up and remembering the Lord is so much greater than my situation. This reminds me of Wang Mingdao. He is considered by many to be the greatest revivalist in the history of the church in China. He is largely responsible for the rapid growth of Christianity in that region. In 1955, Wang Mingdao was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison, but he was told that he could go free if he signed a confession to say that he was a Christian and would stop speaking about God. He signed that confession and walked away from prison. He was only a few steps out the gate when he stopped. He realized he'd made a terrible mistake and he walked back into prison and told them to rip up the confession and take him back in. He was sentenced to a further 22 and a half years in jail, many of which were spent in solitary confinement. He shared, when I was in jail, I was devastated because he was an evangelist. However, very quickly, Wong Ming Dao realized he could actually preach down the pit toilet in the corner of his cell. All the sewage pipes were linked and the sound carried through them. So he decided to make this his preaching platform. And over seven years, he converted 96 people, preaching to them through this pit latrine. He shared, I had no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen and paper. I could do nothing nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship he ever knew. He said, when I was in the cell, the only thing I was focused on was getting to know Jesus. It was only me and him in that cell. He challenged me deeply when he said, you need to build yourself a cell where it's only you and Jesus. Wow, what a challenging statement. This one hits hard for me, especially in light of the cells, in a sense, we've been placed in for 18 months now. We need to take this as a time to get to know Jesus, to grow in deeper intimacy and display his goodness even in the pits we find ourselves in. For there, we know we can keep our eyes fixed on heaven and encounter God in the most unlikely of places. Such a beautiful reality. You know, in all of this, each of these stories points to a life worth living that is much greater than this life. To see this time of training, in a sense, as beyond our future, and our hope is in the eternity with the Lord. And when we shift this perspective, we find ourselves being driven by eternity, and that gives us a confidence to endure even the difficult situations we find ourselves in in this life. Our desire is to know Jesus and to make him known to the world around us. Imagine I have a rope and pretend this rope just goes on forever and ever. Like it goes around the world a few times and obviously you're going to have to imagine the rope. 
Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just live forever. And then this part of the rope is your time on earth. We have a few short years here on earth and then we have all of eternity somewhere else. Sometimes we get so lost and caught in this part. We're so consumed by it. We're like, oh, I can't wait until I get here. And I'm really going to enjoy it if I work really hard for all this bit, then for this bit, I can just chill out and enjoy my hobbies and travel. But whilst we get so caught up in our life now, we forget to think about this forever part. The crazy thing is that the Bible teaches us that what I do during this little part determines how I'm going to exist forevermore. And if this is the case, why would we spend this little part trying to make ourselves as comfortable as possible? Paul says, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment. That when I cross this finish line, I'm going to forget about all this stuff that I could enjoy or spend my time on. But I'm going to run with my eyes fixed on Jesus. So that I don't, because I know I don't get a do-over of this part, but we get one chance before eternity. Sometimes we're called to be obedient and it can look radical in this part for us here in the world. People can think that the decisions the Lord calls us to make are going to affect our life here. That if I make a decision here, it might affect my future in this earth, but will it affect our lives in eternity? In 1 John 2:17, it says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. A lot of what we do should be because we're thinking about our future and that moment where we see Jesus. This realization and understanding has impacted my life through the stories of our brothers and sisters around the world, like the apostles and so many who follow Jesus in the scriptures and in history. They never lived life for this world, but they were thinking about the one to come. It impacted how they spent their days, what they listened to, what they watched, what they thought about. And I'm praying and slowly seeing this also impact the changes in what I do in my life. I want to share one last story with you today. It's about a beautiful mother called Nadia. And we're going to watch this video of Taya sharing Nadia's story with us. Standing shoulder to shoulder with people that um, are persecuted, it matters because God loves people and he's for people. Nadia and her family were on their way to visit the monastery of St. Samuel in Egypt when she saw some men in military clothing. Nadia thought they were there to protect the monastery. When the men shot the wheels of their bus and climbed aboard, Nadia realized she was wrong. The terrorists asked each man on the bus to convert to Islam or die. They stopped next to her son, Hanny. Nadia watched on from the back of the bus and she saw Hanny raise his wrist, revealing a cross tattoo. Then she heard his last words, no, I am a Christian. Maybe you think I would rather have seen my son make a different choice, Nadia said. And of course, as a mother, I am terribly sad and angry that I lost my son but I'm happy that I witnessed the faith I raised in him. I'm thankful that he wouldn't deny Christ even with his life in danger. He made the right choice, she said, and that's been a huge comfort to me. 
Nadia survived the bus attack despite being struck by a bullet in her arm. Without God's comfort, I would have gone crazy, she said. Her favorite Bible verse is Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. If I meet the attackers of my son and they kill me for my faith, I'd be happy, she said. Then I would join my son in heaven. But I pray that they will be touched by God so they will change their ways. It's sometimes hard to hear stories like Nadia and truly understand how she can be happy, how she can pray for those who persecute her. Nadia's faith and stance in the midst of losing her son is an inspiration to us all. But Nadia's mind is not on this earth. Nadia is looking to life beyond. She's proud of her son because she knows that this life is temporary. But life with Jesus and our eternal hope is unshifting. Because ultimately through Jesus, death is removed from the equation. And that is why we look to the joy beyond our suffering. For we have a glorious hope and future. In Romans 8.18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. My prayer for you this morning is that this message would encourage you to strive and long for the glorious hope beyond this life. That no matter what you're facing today or tomorrow, that you would always live in joy because you know what your future holds. Like Paul, even in prison, he began to sing and praise Jesus as our temporary struggles are nothing compared to knowing our Father in heaven. So brothers and sisters in Australia, I want to encourage you with a few ways you can engage deeper with these amazing brothers and sisters like Miriam and Marzia, Nadia and Wong Ling Dao, and truly adopt them as mentors to your own faith here in Australia. As a church and community, you've already incredibly supported the persecuted church. Just in the last year as a church, you've given over $15,000 towards serving the persecuted church where it's most needed. This money went to distribute Bibles, to give access to the scriptures to people, to plant churches and to provide for the needs of Christians in places like China and Iran and Nigeria so they can continue to be the light of Jesus in their communities. As a church, you continue to give, but I'd love to encourage anyone who feels personally today that they want to make this mission their own in supporting the Global Persecuted Church. I'd love to encourage you to consider subscribing to the survival of the Persecuted Church on a one-off or a monthly basis and join hands with women like Nadia and brothers like Wong Ling Dao through our prayers and financial support to let them know that we, the Australian church, hear their stories. We are thinking of them, praying for them and supporting them, that they are not forgotten in their suffering alone, but a part of a global family. If you feel led to join hands with Open Doors today, I encourage you to do so at www.opendoors.org.au forward slash bright. I pray this time together has encouraged you to live boldly, to love deeply, and above all things to follow Jesus in this life. I'm really thankful for Bright Church and every single part that you're playing and that your eyes are too fixed on eternity. 
Let us pray to close off this morning's service. Lord, we thank you that no matter what each and every single day holds for us in this life, that you have promised that we have a hope and a future and the life to come. God, we just invite you right now to come and speak to each of our hearts. The areas where our life and the troubles have got us caught up in this world and not looking at your face and into your eyes. Jesus, help us keep our eyes and our mind fixed on eternity and not merely just on this life. Lord, shift our days and challenge us to change things in our days so that we can be driven towards your gospel, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world, for those like Wong Wing Dao and for those like Miriam and Marzier, who count not their lives unto death for the sake of your gospel going forth. Jesus, would you encourage us to remember them in our prayers? Lord, we thank you that your gospel is going forth despite anything that would try to stop it, that it always finds a way. And Jesus, we're thankful for the part that we too play in that. We praise you and we bless you. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.